he's faking like a dogwood. The thunderstorms in the springtime, it's all good. And rappers killing it in the club, but can we brag now? Not black lives just had to die to get a flag down. And my rap has helped the map of Southside Atlanta. Was just a Selma, 50 years march in Alabama. Was just a Columbus, Ohio teaching little kids. South by Southwest and Austin teaching sampling. Welcome to the Michael M. Hotep Show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network where knowledge is power. Today is Monday, January 2nd, 2017. We are live today. Happy New Year to everybody. We made it through 2016. Unfortunately, a lot of people did not. Um, we lost a lot of celebrities in 2016. We lost a lot of people, period. But we want to welcome everybody to today's show's first day, uh, first show of the new year. First show of the new year. We're broadcasting on Facebook Live also. Okay, so shout out to everybody watching us on Facebook Live. You don't want to miss, uh, you don't want to miss today's show. We're posting the uh, information for today's show here uh, on the fan on our fan page also, the African History Network. So share this on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. All right. So we have the information posted and we're going to move this to the uh, top of the page. Okay. So look, a lot going on. But what we want to do today, we want to deal with um, remembering those who we lost in 2016. Remembering those who we lost in 2016. Uh, actually, the day is the one-year anniversary of the passing of Dr. Frances Cress Wilson. She passed on January 2nd, 2016, and uh, she suffered a major stroke on New Year's Day, uh, January 1st, 2016, and uh, passed away the uh, next day. Uh, so I'm going to share an excerpt of an interview uh, my uh, my last interview with Dr. Francis Cress Wilson, I interviewed her three times. I'm going to share an excerpt of that. We're going to talk about some other people who we lost uh, throughout 2016 as well. We lost Prince, uh, April 21st, I think it was. We lost Muhammad Ali as well, Ma Maurice White of Earth, Wind & Fire. We, we lost Vanity, uh, former lead singer of Vanity Six. We lost a lot of people in uh, 2016. I'm going to play one of my favorite clips from Muhammad Ali also and uh, I have a uh, excerpt of an interview uh, with Prince um, that I want to share with you also. I didn't do the interview uh, but uh, <laughs> I have an excerpt of an interview uh, with Prince also and I I'll probably share another clip with you because you um, after Prince passed away as well. It's very very important information. Uh, we found out about Prince also. Okay. All right. Well, look. Hey, we want to welcome everybody to the uh, Michael M. Hotep show. Today is uh, Monday, January second, two thousand seventeen, and um, on the Michael M. Hotep show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right knowledge corrects wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you have been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. 
Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the show. We deal with current events and history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. And we'll be sending the email newsletter out here in a few minutes. Also, uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TuneIn.com at Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TuneIn.com, and Periscope at Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. All right? Um, hey, I want to thank everybody who uh, came out to the Shrine of the Black Madonna Church in Atlanta on Friday, December 30th. Uh, I was there. That we, it was the Kwanzaa celebration for Nia, uh, which means purpose. Fifth day of Kwanzaa, fifth day of the Nguzu Saba. We know we just finished celebrating Kwanzaa yesterday, but the goal of the seven principles of the Nguzu Saba is to take those principles into the new year with you. Okay, celebrate those principles in the new year. All right, not just be super black for seven days, but to take those principles into the new year with you and practice them 365 days a year, all right? So, uh, we just finished uh, Kwanzaa yesterday. Uh, Imani was the last principal, faith. And uh, on Friday, I was at the Shrine of the Black Madonna Church in Atlanta. So, we had a packed house, and we did a screening of uh, the documentary Black Friday, the remix, Black Friday, the remix, uh, from... um, director Rick Mathis and I'm in the film also and that is uh, the sequel to Black Friday and a new Black Friday movie is coming out uh, this year okay so we want to thank everybody uh, came out to the Shrine of Black Madonna it was a packed house met a lot of my listeners so shout out to everybody there and then also uh, thanks to the people who and also Professor Griff was uh, there he was on the panel so I've interviewed Professor Griff in the past. I know Professor Griff. First time we were on the panel together, so that was nice. And Chike Akua, who's an uh, educator and advocate of homeschooling, Dr. Chike Akua, he just got his doctorate. He was on the panel also. Uh, Dave Anderson was there, who's the founder of the Empowerment Radio Network. He was there as well. Okay. Uh, also, I was you know this past week was extremely busy for me because I was I was at Kwanzaa events. Uh, Five days, I think it was. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Sunday, I was at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History for their Kwanzaa celebration. Okay, and I was a vendor there uh, last week, Tuesday on the twenty seventh. I was the keynote speaker, so shout out to the Malcolm X Grassroots movement for once again having me as their keynote speaker for their Kwanzaa celebration. It was a packed house. I think there about 350 people there. And I talked about in Glock we trust. In Glock we trust. The ballot and the bullet. How African people um, how African people fought back with armed resistance um, voting rights and uh, economic withdrawal. We distribute the pain through economic withdrawal. Okay, so that's what I dealt with in that presentation, and I talked some about the history 
of resistance movements of African people throughout history. And I dealt with uh, some of the history of Kwanzaa, some of the little known history about it as well, because Kwanzaa is based it, Kwanzaa is based upon traditional traditional uh, first harvest uh, festival celebrated in Africa, not just East Africa, but in ancient Kemet, uh, in Nubia or Ta-Nehisi, uh, in in uh, Nigeria among the Yoruba, in Ghana among the Akan, uh, in South Africa among the Zulu, etc. Okay, so a lot of people say, well, Kwanzaa is a made-up holiday, but all holidays are made-up holidays. All holidays are made-up holidays. Okay, so it's interesting how people. We'll talk about Kwanzaa being a made-up holiday. And anywhere people go, they're going to create celebrations that come out of their experiences, come out of things that have happened in their history, come out of uh, uh, e uh, either come out of events that may be events dealing with um, uh, natural disasters, all different types of things like this. Okay, anywhere African people go throughout history, they're going to celebrate. Uh, they're going to create celebrations that come out of their experiences, right? So it's all right for other people to do this, but when African Americans do this, now all of a sudden it's a problem, okay? And I talk about, in the presentation, I talk about how uh, the traditional African cultural celebrations, the first harvest celebrations, that Kwanzaa is based upon are older than most of the European holidays we have been taught to celebrate by Europeans. Okay? So we have to understand this history. And all the holidays are made up. Christmas is made up. Now, what I say may go outside the circumference of some people's awareness. Just because you never heard it before does not mean it's not true. It just means you have to do some research to understand what I'm talking about. Okay? But... Uh, nowhere in the biblical text does it state that Jesus the Christ was born on December 25th. Nowhere in the biblical text does it mention the celebration of Christmas because the term Christmas didn't, didn't even come about to about 1050 A.D. And it comes from the old English word Christus Mass, which means the festival of Christ. So when you actually when you actually study the history, you'll see that all these holidays are made up. The 4th of July is made up. Thanksgiving, they didn't start celebrating Thanksgiving. As a national holiday to 1863 during the Civil War, St. Patrick's Day is, ma is made up also. And African-Americans celebrate St. Patrick's Day, really don't know what they're celebrating because, first of all, Patrick wasn't even Irish. Patrick was British. He was a British slave sent into Ireland in 432 A.D. To, con to convert the Irish as well as the Druids to Christianity and to force Christianity on these people. And he killed thousands of people in the name of the Christian church, forced Christianity on them forced the uh, Latin language because at that time you're dealing with the Roman Empire and uh, uh, Britain at one point was part of the Roman Empire and they're going conquering the, the, these people in Ireland okay and uh, so when people celebrate St. Patrick's Day they're celebrating a mass murderer who killed uh, the Druids and the Druids were practicing a watered-down version of teachings, spiritual teachings coming out of ancient Kemet or ancient Egypt. So, so this is what you celebrate when you celebrate St. Patrick's Day. All this stuff is made up. And most of these celebrations we've been taught to celebrate by Europeans 
We don't even understand the history of it. We don't even understand what we're celebrating. But we do it because we were taught to do it, especially when we were children. We were taught to do it when we were children in school, and they told us to wear green for St. Patrick. They didn't tell us who St. Patrick was. Most of the people telling us this probably don't even know who the hell St. Patrick was, okay, why he became famous. Then they say, uh, well, Patrick drove the snakes out of Ireland. Well, actually, if you study history, there's no evidence of snakes even being in Ireland because Ireland is a very cold climate. It's a climate that's not even conducive to snakes surviving. So there's no evidence when you actually study the history and Ireland is an island. Also, there's no evidence of snakes ever even being in Ireland. OK, if you want to deal with history. So but what happened was the Druids wore a helmet and it had a Uraeus on it. Uraeus is a cobra. Uraeus is a snake. This is coming straight from ancient Kemet because you had the Greco-Roman soldiers who went into Kemet when they invaded and they got some of this knowledge and then they go into Ireland. OK, and they become known as the Druids in Ireland. And and, and the word Druid is old English is, is uh, I'm sorry, not old English is uh, old Irish word, which means he who knows. And they were practicing what is called the Gnosis or the true knowledge, G-N-O-S-I-S. And this is watered down versions of teachings they're getting from ancient Kemet. And this stood in contradiction to what the Christian church was teaching because the Druids, they were dealing with teachings that talked about uh, 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 that, uh, achieving the full, your full potential and the full power of the creator that you have inside of you by obtaining knowledge. They were talking about knowledge itself. The Christian church was saying that you attained uh, salvation and eternal life by going through Jesus the Christ or going through the Pope or something like this. And this is something that the church controlled. What the Druids were teaching was in direct contradiction to the Christian church. So as Robin Harris said, got to go, got to go. And this is what Patrick did. He killed the Druids. So when they talk about Patrick driving the snakes out of Ireland, they weren't talking about snakes that crawled around on the ground. They were talking about two-legged snakes called the Druids. This is what you're celebrating. So Kwanzaa comes out of a self-determination. It comes out of the turbulent uh, black freedom movement of the 1960s. And it deals with African people creating a Pan-African holiday to celebrate us, our history, our culture, etc. Okay, this is what uh, Kwanzaa is. So thanks to everybody who came out to the Kwanzaa celebrations at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History in Detroit this past week. Thanks to those who came out to the celebration in Atlanta at the Shrine of the Black Madonna Church where I was for the screening of Black, uh, Black Friday, the remix. Thanks to all those who celebrated Kwanzaa, especially those who celebrated Kwanzaa for the first time. OK. And, you know, I posted the article on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network. I posted the article that I wrote uh, last year dealing with the history of Kwanzaa. And uh, it's called Kwanzaa Reconnects African-Americans to African Culture for Self-Empowerment. And we'll post it again. Uh, I'll post it here in a few minutes. We're coming up on a break here. OK, so when we come back from the break, we're going to get into remember some of those who we lost during uh, 2016. 2016 was a hell of a year. Uh, the presentation that I did on December 27th in Glock, we trust the ballot and the bullet.
how African people fought against oppression with armed resistance, armed resistance, voting rights, and redistributing the pain with economic boycotts. Uh, we just posted uh, the link to that on our fan page, the African History Network, and we have it. Uh, it's at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can order it. There are actually two presentations uh, on that DVD, okay? So uh, people have been buying that, and it's been blowing them away. And then also uh, I want to thank everybody who came out December 17th to the Jungle Juice Bar here in Gross Point Park, Michigan, right outside of Detroit for uh my presentation ancient kemet the winter solstice and the history of christmas ancient kemet the winter solstice and the history of christmas okay um and um that that presentation is available at africanhistorynetwork.com also that's a three-hour presentation and i dealt with the druids i dealt with asar aset and heru the first holy trinity i dealt with a lot of information in that presentation um so people check that out also. Ancient Kemet, the winter solstice, and the history of Christmas, okay? Uh, we're going to post that link here on the thread of the broadcast also uh, on Facebook. We're coming up on a break. We, we are on break. Share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in. Share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. So we've just posted that there. And we have orders shipping out this evening also. I know a couple people ordered uh, Ancient Kemet, the Winter Solstice, and the History of Christmas today. So uh, we have orders shipping out. Um, okay. So I did two presentations in the past couple of weeks. So check those out also. All right. Uh, ben Ugorji said it would be cool if you come out to D.C., all right. Uh, hey, if you want me to uh, do a presentation for your group or organization, uh, I'm using a uh, we have a speakers bureau now for um, Dave Anderson created a speaker bureau um, for for those here on the show. And we handle some other people also. So let me get the exact address, the email address, website address for the Speaker Bureau, uh, and I'll give that out to you, and, and you can uh, book me through the Speaker Bureau. They'll handle everything because it's becoming overwhelming for me to handle all these dates myself. Uh, just a second, we're on break. All right, we'll be back from break in just a minute. Okay, we're going to go to some of your com comments also here. All right, let me... Uh, all right, just a second here. All right, so how's everybody doing today? We're on break here. We'll be back from break in one minute. Um... So there's a lot of planning that needs to take place this year with Donald Trump in office. If he takes the oath of office January 20th, not January 20, 20th yet. Uh, there's a lot of planning. People, you know, I talked about this uh, in Atlanta and people really have no idea what's coming. And the most dangerous thing is going to be Senator Jeff Sessions becoming attorney general. 
there's some other dangerous things out there. Betsy DeVos over uh, education and Betsy DeVos, her and her husband, they've helped destroy public education in Detroit uh, because they're strong advocates of uh, charter schools, privatization, and they've been funding it. They're billionaires. They've been funding this nonsense. So there's going to be a lot of planning that has to take place for us to thrive and prosper in 2017 and to make sure that Donald Trump is a one-term president. To make sure Donald Trump is a one-term president because he is not going to be positive for African Americans at all. And the people who did not vote, they're going to wish they had voted when they see what comes because just last night he was speaking at an exclusive event. What was he talking about? We're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. You have over 20 million people signed up for it. Now it's probably close to about 23 million. And probably close to about 4 million now are, are African Americans. Okay, so this is going to be, this is going to be devastating. If, uh, and we know that, um, um, what's that boy's name? Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, wants to gut Medicaid. Uh, they can't wait to do that. He wants to privatize Social Security. So it's there are a lot of devastating things that are coming. Okay. Uh, so, all right. So let's post this here. Okay. Welcome back to the Michael M. Hotep Show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network with Knowledge is Power. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, also today I want to talk about uh, what are you going to do in 2017 to empower yourself what are you going to do in 2017 to empower yourself okay we have to focus we have to have uh, every household needs to have a family plan a family plan of action a mission statement you know and they have to have a family plan of action or what what are your goals for 2017 okay so the other thing we're going to talk about today is what are you going to do in 2017 to empower yourself all right it may be to start your business it may be to go back to school finish your education uh it could be a number of different things okay what are you going to do in 2017 to empower yourself all right Okay, well, uh, 2016 started out and started out too well. We lost Dr. Francis Cress Wilson on January 2nd of 2016. And Dr. Francis Cress Wilson was one of our great African Senate scholar warriors. She was a psychiatrist. She was the author of the ISIS papers, uh, the crest, uh, the key, the keys to the colors, dealing with the crest theory of racism, the ISIS papers. Um, and you know, she was featured in uh, Hidden Colors One and Hidden Colors Three also. And I had the pleasure of interviewing her, uh, three times as well. She was 80 years old when she passed away. Okay, Dr. Francis Cress Wilson. I wrote an article about my last interview with her. The name of the article is Dr. Francis Cress Wilson, Donald Sterling, Scandal, and a Culture of White Supremacy. Dr. Francis Cress Wilson, Donald Sterling, Scandal, and a Culture of White Supremacy. 
and I wrote this on Saturday, January 2nd, 2016. Uh, and that was the day she passed away. I wrote this at 2.55 a.m. And it was updated at 10.31 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And in the article, I say, I, I found out a few minutes ago from Professor Hunter Adams that Dr. Frances Cress Wilson made her transition this morning, January 2nd, 2016. She suffered from a major stroke on New Year's Day 2016, January 1st, as we have already reported, because I wrote a previous article about, uh, I wrote an article the previous day about her suffering from a stroke. I go on to say she's going to be sorely missed. You can read my full article, Psychiatrist Dr. Francis Cress Wilson Dies at, at uh, Age 80. You can read all of my articles at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Now, Professor, Professor Hunter Adams wrote on his Facebook page uh, the morning that she passed away. He said, quote, thanks to my hundreds of friends and others for lifting up our now beloved ancestor, Francis Cress Wilson, M.D. In your kind thoughts and prayers, I am sure she felt everyone's waves of love from around the world. Though she has returned to eternity, she lives in the hearts she touched. Now, as one of her friends and colleagues, I ask to honor her living legacy. Let us actualize that shared love, raise our voices and deploy the liberating information to push back hard the rising tide of mind paralyzing malicious information. He said, I ask to honor her living legacy. Let us actualize that shared love raise our voices and deploy the liberating information to push back hard the rising tide of mind paralyzing malicious misinformation. This would, this would include nonsensical YouTube debates. Now in the original article uh, that I wrote, it was written two hours before Dr. Francis Cress Wilson made a transition. I said Dr. Wilson is, is a well-known African-American psychiatrist and is author of the ISIS Papers, The Keys to the Colors. I found out yesterday from Professor Hunter Adams and Jim Klingman. Jim Klingman is co-founder of One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors. I've interviewed both of them here on the show and on the African History Network show. I found out from both of these gentlemen. That psychiatrist Dr. Francis Cress Wilson has suffered a major stroke and is on life support. We know she had uh, some. We know she has had some bouts with health issues in recent years, and pray that she makes a full and speedy recovery. Dr. Wilson has been featured in documentaries like Hidden Colors and has done numerous radio and TV interviews. How many of you remember her from the famous interview? Phil Donahue did with her back in the 1980s. Dr. Wilson has educated hundreds of thousands, if not millions of African-Americans on racism and white supremacy, what it is and how it works for decades. OK. And um, so you can read the rest of the read the rest of that. that. Well, I'll go on to say on May 15, 2014. I had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Francis Cress Wilson for the third time on the African History Network show. We discussed Donald Sterling scandal, the TV show scandal, and a culture of white supremacy. Donald Sterling scandal and a culture of white supremacy. She also talked about her upcoming lecture in Detroit at African Liberation Day on May 23rd, 2014 at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. Here is an excerpt of my last interview 
with uh, Dr. Francis Cress Wilson. On the line right now, we have with us one of our Grandmaster Scholar Warriors. Uh, I've had her on the African History Network show twice before. It's always a pleasure to have her on, to be in the presence, to talk to her. I'm talking about none other than the one and only Dr. Francis Cress Wilson. Hotel, my sister, how are you doing tonight? I'm happy. Good evening. How are you? Mm -hmm. I'm fantastic, sister. And uh, I was just at, right before the show. I was just at a planning meeting for African Liberation Day, so everybody is excited about you coming to Detroit. Excited to to hear from you, and uh, you know, it's always uh, you know always a pleasure uh, to talk to you and to be in your presence. So I'm I'm fantastic. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Definitely, sister. Well, you know, there's a lot going on, and, you know, just when you think things have calmed down somewhat, they, <laughs> something happens and, and things jump off. And, you know, tonight, um, I've already let the people know you're going to be here in, uh, uh, about your lecture, and I'm going to give them some more details about that as we go further into the, the, the um, segment here tonight. But I really wanted to talk to you about, Donald Sterling scandal in a culture of white supremacy, and the and the reason why is because um, when when we hear people like say a Donald Sterling it doesn't have to be him specifically but just someone like that when we hear him say something ignorant or what have you we some people may write it off as this person just being a bigot or this person being a racist something like that but Donald Sterling, in his um, the, the famous 10-minute uh, segment of the telephone conversation that he had with the Stiviano, he also talked about a culture, and he said, "This is the way the culture is." Basically, so I think this way because the culture. The culture. Yes. yes, 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 and 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 personally, the the silver lining of the cloud is I think he did us a big favor to admit that that culture exists and it affects the way people think. <laughs> well, you and I are on the same page yes. uh, because I, I call it the Sterling Silver Siviano <laughs> Affair. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I say that I, I'm just so pleased that mm -hmm. it took place. And the way that I look at that is that it was a truth offering. Yes. Because, see, there's so much, in other words, the major dynamic in this area of the world is the denial of racism. Mm-hmm, yes. Do, do you see? And so the media denies it, white people deny it, Many black people deny that, you know, why do we have to talk about racism? Racism right. is not a problem anymore. And yes. just like you said, it keeps popping up because truth crushed the earth it will is. always rise yes. because it is reality. Truth is reality. Reality is truth. And so these events keep coming up. In spite of all the effort, you know, it's like a big elephant under the rug, and no matter how many people try to crush and keep the elephant from stirring, mm -hmm. the rug continues to rumple. Right. And so I say this was a profound truth offering, a really profound truth offering. 
because it was a continuous statement of racism, white supremacy, at the same time the denial that this is what I am. Absolutely. And, you know, my central, all of my work is based on tr trying to understand racism, white supremacy, and as a psychiatric physician, help black people understand racism, white supremacy, because I say it's key to our mental health. All right, we're going to pause it right there. We have to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few minutes. You listen to the Michael M. Hotep Show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network, where knowledge is power. Uh, we are talking about remembering those who we lost in 2016, remembering those who we lost in 2016. 2016. We know it was January 2nd, exactly one year ago today, that we lost Dr. Francis Crest Welsing, one of our great scholar warriors, author of the ISIS Papers. And I'm sharing with you an excerpt of the last interview I did with Dr. Welson, my third interview on May 15th, 2014, uh, on the African History Network show. And we talked about Donald Sterling scandal, the TV show scandal, and a culture of white supremacy. Donald Sterling scandal and a culture of white supremacy. Okay. So we'll be back in a few minutes. Listen to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network with Knowledge is Power. Hey, well, look, it's, 20, it's 2017, and it's time to start the year off right. It's time for you the, to invest in the future of your family with life insurance today. You can contact Yolanda Spivey of the Whitney, Whitney Insurance Agency at 201-880-7179, 201-880-7179. Also visit their website, mwhitney, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, mwhitney.com, mwhitney.com. And also visit the blackinsurancenetwork.com, the blackinsurancenetwork.com as well. We know that having a life insurance policy is critical for African Americans to help uh, also create wealth and to leave assets for our children and our family as opposed to bills for our children and our families as well. Okay. And if you study Master P, you know, Master P talks about how. Um, his grandfather left him a ten thousand left him ten thousand dollars from an insurance policy when his grandfather passed away, and Master P turned that into a two hundred and fifty million dollar empire. Okay, so life insurance is extremely critical uh, for African Americans to have, and it's important to have life insurance on your children as well in case of something untimely. Something untimely happens. But with certain insurance policies, you can also um, use that to help pay for college, and all different types of things like that. So Yolanda Spivey at, um, um, can help you uh, with that. Okay. Uh, so once again, give her a call. 201-880-7179. 201-880-7179. The Whitney Insurance Agency. Yes, is African-American owned and operated. We've had Yolanda Spivey here on the show before. And uh, visit our website, mwhitney.com, mwhitney.com. Also visit the blackinsurancenetwork.com, the blackinsurancenetwork.com as well, okay? All right, so um, welcome back uh, to the Michael M. Hotep Show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network, where knowledge is power. Uh, let's go back to an excerpt from my interview with Dr. Francis Cress Welsing from um, May 15th, 2014.
events keep coming up in spite of all the effort. You know, it's like a big elephant under the rug, and no matter how many people try to crush and keep the elephant from stirring, Mm-hmm. The rug continues to rumple. Right. And so I say this was a profound truth offering, a really profound truth offering, because it was a continuous statement of racism, white supremacy, at the same time the denial that this is what I am. Absolutely. You know, my central, all of my work is based on trying to understand racism, white supremacy, and as a psychiatric physician, help black people understand racism, white supremacy, because I say it's key to our mental health. Mm -hmm. This is the dynamic that is happening. This is why black people greet each other. Say, hey, what's happening? What's happening? Because we don't understand what's going on. Do you see, why is it that we find ourselves always back in the same place? We thought we had achieved voting rights, and now we're circling around and talking about trying to get voting, assured voting rights again. We thought we had achieved school integration. And what do we find ourselves? The children are being more poorly educated than ever in the history Mm-hmm. Schools are closing. Do you see, every problem that we give a name to that we think we have solved, it comes back and hits us in the face because the problems are symptoms of the total system of racism, white supremacy. But that is consistently being denied. And so Donald Sterling... I'm sure he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know he made more than a multi-billion dollar offering to black people with his statements and the truth of what it is that he didn't know was spilling out of his mouth. But there it is on record. And so you have the media, all the people, the white people in the media, you know, scuffling around and calling him a racist, but they themselves refuse to talk about racism. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so this was a gift. And so black people all over this area of the world and all over the world should start talking and consistently talk about, no matter how the court proceedings work out. Absolutely. The Sterling Silver Siviano Revelations. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember that. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. See, all and those you... S's are mm-hmm. important. It's like one can say the SS. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is, this is a wonderful offering meaning that truth, even though you might find the truth uncomfortable, but truth is always a greater benefit than the denial or the pretense that something doesn't exist. If you can confront truth, and I say that truth, to be able to look at truth, is also a measure of self-respect. Yes. Do you see, no matter how difficult it is, 
the willingness to look at it means that you are achieving a higher level of respect for self. And I say self-respect is more powerful than a nuclear weapon. Mm. Mm. Well, See, this, you know, is, this is also the missing ingredient. Okay, we're going to back that up. She says self-respect. This is something that Dr. Wilson always talked about. She says self-respect is more powerful than a nuclear weapon. Self-respect is more powerful than a nuclear weapon. And we have to understand, you know, uh, Dr. Wade Nobles talks about how power is the ability to define and shape reality and to have other people accept your definition of reality as if it were their own. But self-respect is more powerful than a nuclear weapon. But where, where does self-respect come from? What you read, see, and hear affects the way you think, feel, act, and behave. What you read, see, and hear affects the way you think, feel, act, and behave. And this is why I talk about how what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you have been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, seen, and heard about yourself. Okay? All right. Uh, so let's go back here to the And so this was a gift. And so black people all over this area of the world and all over the world should start talking and consistently talk about no matter how the court proceedings work out. Absolutely. The sterling silver Siviano revelation. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember that. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. See, all and those you, S's are mm -hmm. important. It's like one can say the SS. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is, this is a wonderful offering, meaning that truth, even though you might find the truth uncomfortable, but truth is always a greater benefit than the denial or the pretense that something doesn't exist. If you can confront truth, and I say that truth, to be able to look at truth, is also a measure of self-respect. Yes. Do you see, no matter how difficult it is, the willingness to look at it means that you are achieving a higher level of respect for self. And I say self-respect is more powerful than a nuclear weapon. Mm. Mm. Well, see, this, you know, is, this is also the missing ingredient. Okay. Because for a group of people, the people who structured the system of racism, white supremacy, local, national, global, mm -hmm. one of the critical things that was essential because that people who classify themselves as white are a tiny minority of the people on this planet. Right. Fewer than one-tenth. The vast majority of the people are black, brown, red, and yellow. And so when the people who classify themselves as white begin to come out of Europe and circumnavigate the planet, and they found that the majority of people were people of color. And when the men, white men had sexual relations with the women of color, they realized that all the children looked like their mothers, that white 
could be genetically annihilated, even though they didn't talk in genetic terms, but they could see that white disappears. And so their whole effort for the past 500 years has been the effort for white genetic survival, even though they can call it by different names. They can call it imperialism. They can call it capitalism. They can call it colonialism. They can give different names to it. Right. But bottom line, it is a total system, and this is what Neely Fuller has helped us understand from the time he laid out that racism is white supremacy. There's no other racism. There could be people of color with attitudes, but racism is a power structure and right. a power dynamic that operates in economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. Indeed. And so from the time they recognized that they were a tiny minority that could disappear, genetically disappear, in the sea of the global non-white majority, they have this system in operation, and essential to the operation was the destruction of the self-respect for people of color and of black people in particular because black has the greatest genetic potential to cause white genetic annihilation. And so that's why all people of color learn, if you're black, get back, brown, stick around, yellow, mellow, white, right. That's all right, we got to pause right there. We're coming up on the break. Uh, I'm going to post the article that I um, uh, did. This interview is on YouTube. Um, I can't remember if the, I put the whole interview on YouTube or part of it is. But we have the um, uh, full interview podcasted at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. On the home page, click on the link, uh, listen to podcasts on the Michael M. Hotep Show. Uh, we have all our podcasts here. We have about 700 podcasted episodes. I've interviewed some of everybody. A lot of our scholars have interviewed. But it's important for people to understand what racism is. And if you read, uh, if you read my article, White Racism versus Black Racism, most people are confused about what racism is. Read that article. I break this down from a historical perspective because as she talked about, racism is not about not liking someone, calling somebody a racial epithet. Racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race. A system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race. It comes out of the ideology of white supremacy. Okay? And it's, and, and, and it's designed to preserve genetic white survival. It's designed to preserve genetic white survival. And we have to understand how racism manifests itself throughout the nine areas of human activity, economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. Economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war, sex and war for the purpose of preserving genetic white survival. When you understand racism, which comes from the ideology of white supremacy, now, I disagree with her slightly because she, she, she says racism, racism and white supremacy are the same thing. For my, for my research and understanding of history and how it evolved, racism is the power structure that was created to uphold the ideology of white supremacy. The ideology existed first. Racism is after you, 
after you strip people of their wealth and, and resources and take control of their land and, ex and, and, and dig up the gold and the silver and the coltan and the diamonds and things like this, and you use that to rebuild European nations that were coming out of the dark ages and had lost between one third to one third to one quarter of their population and they just got finished fighting against the Moors and pushing the Moors out, things like this, and they're trying to rebuild Europe, okay? Racism is that power structure that was created and that exists to uphold the ideology of white supremacy. So when people see that Europeans control the majority of the land, power, resources, benefits, privileges, access to education, access to opportunity, control the majority of the media on the radio stations, the TV stations, the newspapers, etc., then you believe that Europeans are superior to you based upon the infrastructure that they created. But white supremacy is a false concept that has real consequences and repercussions. Europeans are not superior, but they manipulate technology and have control of resources. And people would oftentimes then come to, to the conclusion because they have been bombarded with images showing Europeans as being superior and showing African people as being inferior, showing African people as being drug dealers and pimps and prostitutes and buffoons and idiots and things like this, mammies and sambos and coons, they will come to the conclusion that Europeans are then superior. So racism is the power structure that is created to preserve genetic white survival and to uphold the ideology of white supremacy so people think that Europeans are superior okay they work together white supremacy is the mother that gave birth to the child called racism but from my research and my analysis they're not exactly the same thing okay we're on break we'll be back from break we're well into the break we'll be back from break in, in one minute here listen to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network with Knowledge is Power. We're remembering those who we lost in 2016. We're talking about Dr. Francis Cress Wilson here. We're going to talk about Prince and uh, Muhammad Ali shortly. I'm sharing with you an excerpt. This is just an excerpt of my last interview I did with Dr. Francis Cress Wilson. Um, and it's called um, uh, Donald Sterling Scandal, the TV show Scandal. And a culture of white supremacy, Donald Sterling scandal and a culture of white supremacy. Hey, if you're watching right now on, on Facebook and you like the information we're sharing with you, share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in. They're going to be blown away by it. OK. Also, um, you can visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have all of my DVD lectures there where I deal with a lot of this information. Um, actually, we have the, the, the uh, lecture that Dr. Wilson did here in Detroit. We have that on DVD. We have that at our website also, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We got permission from uh, Minister Malisha Bass to distribute that because um, he's the one that brought her in. And um, we have all of my lectures there uh, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can also donate to the African History Network as well. Uh, if you like the information that we share, click on the yellow donate button on the home page and uh, you can make a donation, $25, $50, $100, $10, whatever you want. You can set up for a recurring donation. So if you if you say, hey, we're in 2017, we want to support organizations that are helping our people, et cetera, helping get the right information out, et cetera, you can help support the African History Network. And that helps us stay on the air, keep doing the research, et cetera. 
Uh, also helps when I have to book a plane and travel because I got to pay. You usually have to pay for that stuff too. That helps also. All right. Uh, you know what's wrong with this here? Okay, let's go back to this clip here. Um, this is from uh, my last interview with Dr. Francis Crest Wilson, May fifteenth, two thousand fourteen. Power structure and a power dynamic that operates in economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. And so from the time they recognized that they were a tiny minority that could disappear, genetically disappear, in the sea of the global non-white majority, they have this system in operation. And essential to the operation was the destruction of the self-respect for people of color and of black people in particular because black has the greatest genetic potential to cause white genetic annihilation. And so that's why all people of color learn. If you're black, get back, brown, stick around, yellow, mellow, white, right. That's the color code for white genetic survival. And so, you know, people think, oh, no, that just, you know, they just think that it's the darker color. It's not just the darker color. The color has the most powerful genetic potential to cause white genetic annihilation, and it's all the same pigment, but the people who have the greatest genetic potential to produce the highest quantity, and they appear as the darkest people. They are the people that are most feared, and therefore want to put most color behind everything else. And see, the sterling, the, uh, what, the sterling silver Siviano affair brought out yeah. so much of this. Yes. It brought out a man who classifies himself as white talking about being jealous of black men. Yes. It yes. brought out uh, V. Siviano talking, you know, or was uh, Sterling talking about how she hated her color and she wanted to be white and that she used bleaching cream mm. and that of all of her siblings, they were all Hispanic, but she was Hispanic and black. Yes. Now, all of this came out of this man's mouth including bringing in people into the locker room of the Clippers when the black men would be half-dressed. And he would tell strangers, you know, just almost like a slave market, look at their beautiful bodies. Right, right. So all of this offering, I say it's a cosmic offering, All of this came out in the presence of black people and people who classify themselves as white. Not all black people, of course, but large numbers. See, I would dare say the majority of our group, black people, would prefer to not talk about racism. Correct. And this, and see, tragically, 
because we don't want to talk about the real cause because, and this is why when black people would talk about racism on the TV or something, and the white people would start jumping up and down talking about you're playing the race car. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Donald Sterling laid out the whole race deck. Yes, he did. And Mark <laughs> Garagos who was on CNN, you know, he's one of their legal analysts. Mark Mm -hmm. Garagos says he hears people talking like Donald Sterling every day and all the time. Mm. So, you see, if, if we were really wise, black people would get all the tapes, all the transcripts, and sit down in study groups and dare anyone to deny that racism and white supremacy is the dominant system on the planet. See, even the word America, A-M-E-R-I-C-A, contains the phrase, I am race. <laughs> right. See, just like the word Jesus in Ebonics is just us. Yeah, I played that clip before you came on. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, yeah, so correct. Truth, see, truth, all, everything is energy. Mm-hmm. And so if we begin to understand everything is energy, and this is why it cannot be destroyed and why truth will always become evident. And it will just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. The energy forces will keep pushing and pushing until people come to terms with reality. And when I was trained in psychiatry over 40 years ago, they used to tell us, see, now psychiatry doesn't want to talk about reality because then it would have to talk about racism and white supremacy. (laughs) And so the, the dominant people in the field are people who classify themselves as white. They don't want to talk about white behavior. So they are now pushing uh, pharmacological psychiatry. In other words, any complaint, just take a pill. Certainly don't decode the system of racism, white supremacy, because you might really get well, and then the system will be in difficulty. But we were trained that years ago, that the role of the psychiatrist is to help people face reality even when they are afraid to do so. And so we must keep trying to find the courage and the self-respect. See, people talk about spirituality. In my view, see, there is a creative force in the universe, and you can call it God, you can call it whatever you want to call it, that is responsible for making this grand and glorious universe that has some problematic people. And I say that the creative force made black people the mothers and fathers of everybody on the planet. White people couldn't produce all the colors. Black people can produce all of the colors starting with crystal black, highest level of black. Then next you make a mutation to albinism, and that's what white people are. They're a mutation. 
a genetic deficiency state. But you combine those two together and you get all the colors in the middle. Right. So the creative force made black people the mothers and fathers of everybody on the planet. But under white supremacy, black people have been taught to hate black, which, as I said, came out in V. Siviano's, uh, you know, about her that Donald Sterling talked about, about how she wanted to be white. Although she did have the courage to say, I'm black and Hispanic. Right. You see, so how could you be hating black people? How can you say these things, right? Absolutely. So she had the courage to, you know, to me she gets an A+. Plus Absolutely. Because her discussion was completely and totally relevant to the mm-hmm. reality of racism, whether she recognized it or not. So Absolutely. This... If black people, if we can get the courage to respect ourselves, in other words, like African Liberation Day. See, liberation can come in many forms. And I say what we need is the liberation of our minds and the transformation of our minds, beginning with the understanding of this great problem on the planet, which is a system of racism, white supremacy. Do you see that by, in, by black people learning how to respect themselves, because whatever you want to call the creative force in the universe that made us black and made the condition of crystal black, highest level black, that as long as we are in disrespect of that, we are in disrespect of the creative force. And then people want to beg and pray to the creator, help me with this, help me with that. And I would say the creator said, you're spitting in my eye. All right, we're going to pause it right there. When we come back, uh, we're going to play a couple more minutes of this. Then I have to get into Prince and Muhammad Ali. And then the rest of this week, we'll talk about those who we lost in um, 2016 because I have a list of uh, over 100 people we lost in 2016. Okay. All right. You listen to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network where knowledge is power. Okay. We'll be back in a few minutes. That was an excerpt of my interview with Dr. Francis Cress Welsing from uh, May 15th, uh, 2016, I think it was. And, um, I wrote an article about uh, I wrote an article about it because this is the uh, one year anniversary of her passing. Uh, she passed away on um, uh, January second, two thousand sixteen. Okay, and I'm going to post the uh, we're going to post this article on the thread here of the broadcast because the interview I did with her, the video of it, is in the thread of the broadcast also. Okay. All right, uh, we'll be back. Here's some more of the interview. A genetic deficiency state. But you combine those two together, and you get all the colors in the middle. Right. So the creative force made black people the mothers and fathers of everybody on the planet. But under white supremacy, black people have been taught to hate black, 
which, as I said, came out in these Civianos, uh, you know, about her that Donald Sterling talked about, about how she wanted to be white. Although she did have the courage to say, I'm black and Hispanic. Right. You see, so how could you be hating black people? How can you say these things, right? Absolutely. So she had the courage to, you know, to me she gets an A+. Plus. Absolutely. Because her discussion was completely and totally relevant to the mm-hmm. reality of racism, whether she recognized it or not. So Absolutely. This, if black people, if we can get the courage to respect ourselves, in other words, like African Liberation Day, See, liberation can come in many forms. And I say what we need is the liberation of our minds and the transformation of our minds, beginning with the understanding of this great problem on the planet, which is the system of racism, white supremacy. Do you see that by, in, by black people, learning how to respect themselves because whatever you want to call the creative force in the universe that made us black and made the condition of crystal black, highest level black, that as long as we are in disrespect of that, we are in disrespect of the creative force. And then people want to beg and pray to the creator, help me with this, help me with that, and I would say, the Creator said, you're spitting in my eye. I made you black because black is the most critical thing on the planet. That's how come the astronomers are all talking about dark matter and the most powerful thing is the black hole. Mm. Racism, white supremacy has trained black people to hate themselves as black, to be glad that the slave masters raped our great-grandmothers, and so people don't look black and are trying to look white. And, and see, the system of racism pays the highest salaries to black people who, un- without understanding, are calling black people niggers, and mm-hmm. dogs and bitches and hoes and gangsters and thugs. See, that's the complete annihilation of black self-respect. And people think it's entertainment. Correct. No, that's the system of racism, white supremacy. You know, it's no different than racism, white supremacy said, I will not give you jobs. I will not give you significant employment. I will not give you education. I will not give you housing, but I will give you guns. And I will give you drugs. Right. And so then you can destroy yourselves based on my motivation. Wow. you know, we are challenged. I say we are challenged as the parent people on the planet to begin to use our thought faculties 
and to be able to analyze and to be able to develop strategies and tactics to replace the system of racism, white supremacy, with justice. See, there's no time to hate white people. That's cheap. That's a waste of time. You know, you don't you don't win a basketball game or a football game hating your opponent. You win based on your understanding of the game and the knowledge of what plays are necessary playing against the particular opponent. And so to me this is the challenge, the continuing our continuing struggle for liberation and understanding Absolutely. at ever higher levels what liberation can mean. Right, right, definitely. All right. So that was was an excerpt of my interview with uh, Dr. Francis Cress Wilson. That was from uh, May 15, 2014 on the African History Network show. We talked about Donald Sterling's scandal and a culture of white supremacy. Donald Sterling scandal and a culture of white supremacy. Dr. Wilson made her transition exactly one year ago today, January 2nd, 2016. Uh, we just posted on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, the article that I wrote Saturday, January 2nd, 2016, 2.55 a.m. Eastern Standard Time after uh, learning that she passed away as Professor Hunter Adams that confirmed with me Excuse me, it's Professor Hunter Adams that confirmed with me that uh, Dr. Wilson had made a transition and she suffered uh, a major stroke uh, the day before. Okay, so it's a lot of wisdom in that interview. We have it at our uh, on our YouTube channel uh, and also the audio podcast of all of our shows are at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have the audio podcast of it also. It's in the article that I wrote, Dr. Francis Cress Wilson, Donald Sterling Scandal and a Culture of White Supremacy. We're going to post it here on the thread of uh, the Facebook Live broadcast also. And we just posted it on our fan page. As always, you can read all of my articles at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right. Okay, so we also lost Prince, the purple one. Uh, this year as well and uh, Dr. Wilson and Prince they were both unexpected we know Dr. Wilson had some health challenges throughout the you know recently in the last few years but it was totally unexpected she suffered a major stroke and with Prince it was totally unexpected also we know we lost Vanity Vanity this year at uh age 57 as well Prince and Vandy were the same age um, I, I wrote an article about uh, Van, Van Jones who is who was a friend of Prince and we know Van Jones we see him he's a commentator on CNN and he's also uh, the co-founder of Yes We Code Yes We Code C-O-D-E so we're going to go to that interview. We learned a lot about Prince after he passed away. Because he was a Jehovah's Witness, he did not want to take credit for a lot of the good that he was doing, the philanthropy, things like this. Okay, So we found out about this after he passed away 
uh, and a lot of it came from Van Jones. Okay, so we're gonna go to that clip in just a minute. Let's go to um, let's go to the uh, comments here on uh, Facebook because I haven't been able to get your comments in. Uh, I was working on sending out an email newsletter while I was playing Dr. Wilson and listening to that interview because it's been a while since I've uh, actually heard uh, heard it. Uh, Mary Given said watching on Facebook from Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, those watching here on Facebook, share this on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. Share this on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. Angela Flood Williams, I, I think you're watching. I, I sent you a few emails. I didn't get a response from you. Did you get my emails, Angela? Check your spam folder that came from customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right. Um, also, Hey, visit our website. Uh, my my new DVD lectures are there in Glock We Trust, The Ballad and the Bullet, a history of um, African people fighting against oppression with um, armed resistance, voting rights, and redistributing the pain with economic boycotts. Also, Ancient Kemet, The Winter Solstice, and The History of Christmas are there as well. We have the Black Friday documentaries dealing with economic empowerment. We have to focus on investing in our education in various forms this year because in a war the most important thing you can have are not weapons it's intelligence and intelligence is a form of war this is why the United States has 17 different US intelligence agencies the most important thing you can have is intelligence okay intelligence is a weapon it's a type of weapon alright Michael Long said uh, then we must educate them as we learn more about ourselves Kendra A. Uh, Griffin posted the blackinsurancenetwork.com. All right. You must know Yolanda Spivey. And uh, Ron Lewis said checking in from Long Beach, California. All right. Now, is anybody from Compton? Because then we'll have Long Beach and Compton together. So you know you're, so you know you're in trouble. Anybody from Compton watching? We got Long Beach in the house. All right. Anybody from the A, from the ATL? I was in Atlanta on Friday at the Shrine of Black Madonna. Okay. Now, uh, Hijabi said, I'm graduated from medical school. Yay. Okay. Congratulations. Now, you also want to make sure you study uh, some holistic training also because pres prescribing drugs is not always the, uh, the solution. Okay. We need medical doctors. Because if you get into a car accident and break your leg, you're going to need some surgery. You may need some surgery. You're gonna need, if you have a heart attack, you may need some surgery. The, 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 the herbs are not going to save you. If, you. if you need open heart surgery, you need open heart surgery. The, sur the herbs most likely are not going to help you. There is a place for holistic training and holistic medicine. There's also a place for traditional medicine. If you need surgery, you need surgery. Okay? Uh, but oftentimes... You can treat it holistically. Anita Kent said hello. All right. Hello, Anita. Ursula Mack, the name of the educator you mentioned who advocates for homeschooling. That's Chike Akua, C-H-I-K-E. Chike Akua, okay? A-K-U-A, Chike Akua, Dr. Chike Akua. He just got his doctorate. So this year, I will be traveling more you know the black oh the it's the black speakers some uh ben ugorji asked me okay if if, if uh to come to washington dc go through the blackspeakers.com the blackspeakers.com 
That is the Speakers Bureau that is booking my uh, my lectures for me now. I'm doing something new in 2017. So Dave Anderson, the founder of the Empowerment Radio Network, he created the BlackSpeakers.com, and we have uh, some Warren Ballantyne, Dave Anderson, Dr. Boyce Watkins. Uh, these are some of the people, uh, Dr. Jewel Tankert. These are some of the people who are being booked through the blackspeakers.com. So if you want to book me to do presentations in any city outside the country, David Banner, also hip-hop artist. I could tell you some of the people. David Banner, this is my first time on the website. I talked to Sandra. Sandra's doing a great job with this web website, Sandra Tedford. Uh, this is my first time on the website, though. Um, looking for my picture. Uh <laughs> I know I'm on here somewhere. Dr. Claude Anderson, they're booking for Dr. Anderson also. Um, so I have to check with uh, Sandra, make sure my picture's on here. Atlantis Browder, uh, who's the daughter of Tony Browder. Got a lot of people. Malik Zulu Shabazz. So there's a lot of people on here. Shannon Leon. Oh, here I am, Michael M. Hotep. All right. I know they, okay, they got to correct something. Uh, okay, they got their stuff mixed up. Okay, but yeah, I'm on here. Okay, I gotta let them know. They have to, uh, I need to send a text message right now. But the blackspeakers.com, the blackspeakers.com. Um, okay, we're on break just a second. We'll be back in a few minutes. Uh, you Just a second here, proof. I have to send this like right now. <laughs> okay. All right, let's go to some more comments here. But the blackspeakers.com, blackspeakers.com, and they handle uh, my, my lectures, they handle my bookings. Okay. Uh, Lakeem Muhammad on Facebook said, I remember that interview and she'll be truly missed. Now, this was my third interview. You can go listen to the other ones. Uh, we have them podcasting on uh, Blog Talk Radio, but you can get to all the podcasts at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, Rod Jennings, blessed on you, brother, Hotel. Angela Flood Williams said, Donahue introduced me to a lot of black intellectuals. Uh, I looked forward to watching uh him when I was younger, uh when the boob tube could actually make you smarter. You know, Phil Donahue, and some people are not old enough to remember Phil Donahue, he was the king of talk shows before Oprah became the queen. Phil Donahue had Minister Farrakhan on, if I remember correctly, he had Minister Farrakhan. I know he had uh Dr. Khalid um, uh, uh Muhammad on, Dr. Khalid Abdul Muhammad. He had him on he had Shahrazad Ali. Um, he had Dr. Francis Cress Wilson. He had a lot of people on. He was on the air for 25 years, I think it was. So he had a lot of people on. Okay. All right. Let's see here. Okay, Angela. So, Angela, did you get my uh, email message? Okay. The worst part of her discussion, younger people do not understand the definition of racism. Now, to help people with the definition of racism, read my article 
white racism versus black racism. Most people are confused about what racism is. And in the article, I produced a two and a half hour video. And in the video, I have Dr. Francis Crest Wilson, Dr. Claude Anderson. I have uh, uh, I have Dr. Claude Anderson. I have uh, um, also a couple other people. And we're dealing with what racism is from a historical perspective. Read that article. And I, I provided, you know, and for the video I produced, I talked to one sister. Uh, who was that? Karen. Karen, uh, Mama Jendai's, uh, one, one of Mama Jendai E's daughters. And she asked me if I had any information dealing with uh, racism, uh, things like this. Okay, in just a second. Just a second. Um, she asked me if I had anything dealing with explaining racism. She was going to present it to our college class. So I, I sent her the article and the video that I produced. And she said it totally blew everybody away in the class. is the best explanation she heard about racism, etc. So that'll help our youth. Wrong description when you click on. Uh, okay. Uh, so let's go to uh, some more comments here. Then we're going to get into Prince. Michael Long said, then we must educate them as we learn. Okay. Uh, we've got Kumara Jackson said, Ashe. He said, are these recordings available? Yeah, they were, they're available. Um, so hopefully you got the information. You go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com for all our podcasts, videos, etc. Okay. And articles. I, I, I make that as the hub to get to everything dealing with Michael M. Hotep and the African History Network. Michael Long said, I'm also, I also feel sorry for those that need Fox. I think he's referring to the Fox News Network created by Rupert Murdoch. They will never. Well, actually, I'm sorry. Fox News Network was created by. Um, the guy that just got pushed out of Fox. Um. I forgot his name. Escapes me. Rupert Murdoch bought Fox. He bought Fox News. But um, it was um, fat, fat bastard. Uh, I forgot his name. Uh, he created Fox News. Okay, it'll come to me. He's friends with Donald Trump. Yolanda Spivey said, "What a powerful message from Dr. Francis Crest Welsing." Uh, yes, it is. This is my third interview. I had two other powerful interviews I did with her also. And uh, Samantha, let's see, Greg Osborne said, I read the ISIS papers, total paradigm shift. Samantha uh, Aline said, uh, good evening all from United Kingdom of London, from the UK. Uh, Adrian Green said, hello, I'm always interested in my history and historical background. All right, so let's go to this. Now, I wrote uh, when Prince passed away, I was totally devastated. Uh, and he passed away, if I remember correctly, it was, yes, April 21st, Thursday, April 21st. I wrote an article called Van Jones Talks About His, fr about his Friend Prince the Humanitarian. Van Jones Talks About His Friend Prince the Humanitarian. And in the article, I say the sudden death of Prince Rogers Nelson on Thursday, April 21st, 2016, has hit many people around the world very hard. 
there have been nonstop news reports of people remembering Prince for being a musical genius, but also a kind, gentle person and a real humanitarian who donated a lot of money to help various groups and causes. As his friend Van Jones explains in this interview from CNN with Don Lemon, because of his Jehovah's Witness um, religion, he could not publicly talk about his uh, philanthropy. We can all learn a lot from Prince's spirit. Okay, let's go to this uh, interview. Hey, so Van, you and I have been talking all night. So what do you want to say? Well, I just want to say um, that he wasn't just a musician. Um, he was an incredible musician. Um, but that there was this a, a core of genius that just used music to express itself. But he also was an incredible humanitarian, Don. Um, he was a Jehovah's Witness, so he was not allowed to speak publicly about any of his good acts, uh, any of his charitable activity. But I was one of the people in his life that helped him with all of that. And so, um, you know, he supported and helped to create something called Yes We Code. Yes We Code uh, has uh, now 15 major technology companies working with kids in the hood, getting them ready to have jobs in Silicon Valley. That was Prince. Uh, he worked with something called Green For All. I was the public face of that, but he put the money in. There are people that have solar panels on their houses right now in Oakland, California, that they don't know Prince paid for them. Uh, he, there, he was the kind of friend, uh, kind of like you, Don. He doesn't care if you're having a good day. That's not when he's there. It's when you're having a bad day. He comes to the rescue. Mm -hmm. and, and, and there's so many people. I'll never forget, um, Don. I landed on a, I was in a plane. It landed. And my phone rang. It's Prince. And I said, hey, what's going on? He goes, where are her kids? Where are her kids? Hmm. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, Lauren Hill, where are her kids? He had found out that Lauren had gotten in some trouble, and the first thing he wanted to know is, where are her kids and what can we do to help? Hmm. Now, th this, is, this is just how he was. If he, I guarantee you, anybody struggling anywhere in the world, he was sending checks, he was making phone calls, but he did not want it to be known publicly, and he did not want us to say it, but I'm going to say it. Because the world needs to know that it wasn't just the music. The music was one way he tried to help the world, but he was helping every single day of his life. Mm. Van, as a friend and a loved one, what are you guys dealing with today? Just guilt. Feeling like, what could we have done? What happened? And just feeling like, now people will start talking and you'll start hearing. You know, he was such a private person. The people in the inner circle, nobody got on TV and said anything. In fact, if you got on TV bragging about you know Prince, you're gonna knock, you ain't going to know Prince tomorrow because he doesn't like that. Um, so now you're going to hear all these people coming out. Oh, he mentored me. He helped me. Uh, like I said, he was there for us when we were down. When I left the White House, he was the first person to call. Al Gore called me and he called me. And he said, come over. He had me come to his house, Don. And he sat me down. I was just feeling so low. And he looked at me and he said, why are you so sad? I said, well, because I had this great job. I was working in the White House. I was doing good things. He said, you're going to do good things again. He said, let me tell you what you do, Van. He said, go to Jerusalem. Stay there for two weeks and pray. Mm. He said, then when you come back, sit down and give me a blank piece of paper. And you write on it everything that you want to do that you think will help the community. And I will help you do it. 
okay? So I went from working for a president to working with Prince. And every single thing that I said, he said, I said, we've got to go to Chicago and do something about violence. We did three concerts in Chicago, Don, three. And every community group there he brought in. And he didn't let any, no, there were no vendors, only community groups to help. We went to, to Baltimore. Uh, he, I mean, he, he went to New Orleans. There's so many things that he did. Those concerts that he was doing were a cover for him to be able to go into cities and help organizations mm. and help leaders and touch people. Yeah. And I want people to understand now, and, I, and all the rest of us, quit talking just about the music. Everybody that's been on this whole thing knows his humanitarian part as well and how many people he's helped. And I know that we're not supposed to talk about it, but it's important that people know when you make it to his level, he said, I don't need any more attention, but I can't be in this world and see this much pain and suffering and not do something. Don't give me the credit. Don't give me the glory. But he pushed all of us to do more, and we all did more. And I want him to be known for that, too. And he was. Thank you. All right. So that was uh, that video is in the article that I wrote on Friday, April 22nd, 2016, 10.29 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is some um, background information on Prince Rogers Nelson. He passed away April twenty April twenty Thursday, April twenty first, two thousand sixteen. That was his good friend Van Jones giving us some background information on Prince that a lot of us did not know the philanthropic side of Prince. We all know the music, but he was a huge humanitarian, donated millions of dollars to help people. And when he was, there was another interview, maybe we'll share tomorrow, when he went to Baltimore, he told the activists and the Black Lives Matter activists in Baltimore, this was after the, the um, after the rebellion, uh, uh, after the death of Freddie Gray. And he said that when I come back to Baltimore, I want to stay in a hotel that you own. I want to go to a restaurant that you own because he was big on economic empowerment also. And this is what he was trying to impart upon them. It's not just the protest. It's not just changing the laws. That is important. OK, but also having the economic foundation to employ your own people, et cetera, is extremely important as well. OK, um, well, June 4th, I think it was June 4th. We lost the greatest of all time, one of my heroes, Muhammad Ali. People that know me know that Ali was a big hero of mine. Prince was a big hero of mine also. We lost two of these giants in, in the same year. There's a lot of people we lost. Th throughout this week, we'll talk about those who we lost also, okay? Um, this is the report from uh, MSNBC uh, when we found out that uh, Muhammad Ali passed away at age 74. Our friend Matt Lauer had um, the, the great luck and good fortune in life to have been a friend of Muhammad Ali and remained a friend later in life. Matt was close as well to members of the Ali extended family. And tonight for us, Matt Lauer has a look back. I am the king of the world. Hold it, hold it, hold I'm it. Hold it, you're not that pretty. I'm pretty. a bad man. He called himself the greatest. He was both adored and at times scorned. He had a, a lot of threats against him. But with superior skill and a unique style of boxing, Muhammad Ali became a cultural icon. Oh, I'm so 
Angelo Dundee, Ali's trainer and cornerman for over 21 years, passed away in 2012, but was with Ali during some of his most memorable fights. All he had to do was put a mic in his puss. He was sensational. I mean, he was so good, Muhammad. Muhammad Ali was born Cassius Clay on January 17, 1942, in Louisville, Kentucky. When he was 12 years old, his bicycle was stolen. He was so angry that he vowed to whoop whomever stole it. That determination propelled Clay to win two national Golden Glove titles and qualify for the U.S. team at the 1960 Olympics in Rome. I met Cassius in 1958. In 58, he told me he was going to win the Olympics. He won the Olympics in 60. Clay wore his gold medal for two days straight, though he would later throw it into the Ohio River, disillusioned by his second-class treatment when he returned home. With the Olympics behind him, he began his professional boxing career. His first big test was against heavyweight champion Sonny Liston. It was also the first time many would hear Clay's effortless ability to compose a rhyme. If you like to lose your money, then be a fool and bet on Sunday. Liston was heavily favored, but in the end, Clay proved prophetic. They might be stopping us, that might be all. At 22 years old, Clay became the youngest heavyweight champion. I shook up the world! I shook up the world! He quickly shook up the world again by announcing he had joined the nation of Islam and changed his name. Cassius Clay was my slave name. I'm no longer a slave. Ali's declaration became a lightning rod, with many refusing to acknowledge his new name. Why would you say that? But Howard Cosell, a rising sportscaster, fiercely defended Ali's decision, saying they wanted another Joe Lewis, a white man's black man. Instead, they got Ali, a man who would not conform, regardless of the consequences. All right, we're going to pause it right there. We're up against a break. I think we're almost out of time. We're going to continue for a few more minutes anyway, because that's how we do. <laughs> All right, we're going to come back from the break with podcasts and this. You'll be able to listen. We'll get the podcast uploaded tonight. I have a lot of work to do. I have orders to ship out. Hey, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All of my DVD lectures are there. We have the Hidden Colors documentaries. We have the Hidden Colors family bundle pack. You get nine DVD presentations, including all four installments of Hidden Colors and four of my presentations for one low price. Uh, the two lectures I just did in December are available there as well. Ancient Kemet, the Winter Solstice and the History of Christmas. Ancient Kemet, the Winter Solstice and the History of Christmas. As well as in Glock we trust G L O C K. You know Glock is a gun manufacturer. In Glock we trust the ballot and the bullet. How African people fought against oppression with armed resistance, voting rights, and redistributing the pain through economic boycotts. Okay, I just did that. I was a keynote speaker at the Kwanzaa celebration uh, for the Malcolm X grassroots movement at the um, Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. Okay on uh december 27th that was for Ku second day of kwanzaa kuji chagalia uh which means self-determination okay on facebook andrea green a adrian green said hello i'm always interested in my history and historical background you definitely want to visit africanhistorynetwork.com uh mustafa captain soul star said bless up uh rock chocolate soul gang not sure what that means uh 
Samantha said, I feel that you guys, Samantha Elliane from, um, from London. She's watching from London in the UK, United Kingdom. Shout out to all our brothers and sisters. You know, there are a lot, there, there, there are, London has a huge African population, huge population of people of African descent. Uh, she said, I feel that you guys have it worse in the USA as you have guns that kill where we control what our children consume. She said, well, we can control what I so So, yeah, in because uh, in London, it's not legal for people to have guns. Here it is. Um, she said, we have British black history. OK. Uh, Michael Long said uh, th that's why they fight so hard. They feel that they are going to die out and we are conditioned to expect the way we are conditioned to accept the way. Things are no matter how bad things are. Well, what happened, that, that has a lot to do with the music because a lot of the music, the power has been taken away from a lot of the music. Because when you listen to music in the 60s and 70s you had a, and, and you listen to conscious hip-hop, it had a element of it to empower you to change conditions, not just reflect conditions. So you have a lot of hip-hop artists now saying, well, I'm just keeping it real. I'm just talking about what I see. Well, you also have a responsibility to correct what you see. And as, as you have more blessings, as you have more wealth, you have a greater duty to help correct the conditions that you see, not just talk about, talk about the conditions and profit from them. And a lot of these guys, they, they moved away from the hood five, ten years ago. So they ain't even talking about what they see because when they look out their window, they don't even see what they're talking about in their music. So this this is what happened when corporate conglomerates took over hip hop. They sent it in the wrong direction to subvert the power of hip hop because because conscious hip hop in the late 80s and early 90s was elevating the conscious level of African-American youth, African-American college students. We were developing a global uh, political perspective. Many of us were getting involved in the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa. We were having economic boycotts against uh, uh, U.S. corporations that were investing in South Africa. You had the whole divestment from South Africa. This was fueled by conscious hip hop, X-Clan, the public enemy and poor righteous teachers, things like this. This was fueled by conscious hip hop, sister soldier, etc. OK, now, uh, uh, Michael Long said that the deck, LOL. I love the way she puts it out there. Yeah, the racist deck is not a race card. It's a racist deck. Okay. It's a racist deck coming out of white supremacy and racism. Remember, and keep in mind, white supremacy and racism. Racism is a system of advantage and privilege distributed based upon race that comes out of the ideology of white supremacy for the purpose of preserving genetic white survival. For the purpose of preserving genetic white survival on a planet that is less than 10% European. OK, uh, Samantha said racism is a mindset. If you are if you are told, if you are told and, and fed, you are nothing. You start to believe it. Uh, what is the difference in people? We all live and breathe, eat and drink, are happy and sad. We all live and die. And uh, what does this say? We all live and die. And. Try and try to meet our own goals. We are healthy and sick. We all consume a slave. We are all consumers, a slave to society. Well, racism is more than just a mindset. Racism is a power structure. 
and those who have been socially engineered to uphold the power structure and to adopt a certain frame of mind. So when you understand white supremacy, it's just like when we talk about racism being a system of advantage and privilege. When, we, when you hear the word system, we think of something that's abstract. We think of something that's out there. We may think of a computer system or something like that. But the, a system is made up of people who subscribe to a certain way of thinking, either consciously or subconsciously. So it, so on one level, it's a way of thinking, but it's a infrastructure that has come out of that way of thinking. And you have subsequent generations of people who, who, who have been socially engineered to buy into a way of thinking to keep that power structure, to keep that infrastructure intact. This is what we have to, this is how we have to understand racism and white supremacy. Okay, so um, Angela Flood Williams said, we prefer you stay where we are. We prefer you stay where we are. I'm not sure what you mean, Angela. Uh, ben Gorgeous said, thank you for this interview, Mr. M. Hotel. Okay. And also, Ben, if you want to book me, anybody watching, if you want to bring me into your to your city to do a presentation for your group or organization, visit theblackspeakers.com, theblackspeakers.com. They're handling my bookings. So you can uh, go through there. My profile is there. And um, we can go from there. Okay, anti-love, say good evening. All right, so let's go back to this clip here. Uh, this is about Muhammad Ali passed away. Uh, in June of 2016, I think it was June 4th, age 74. We know he had a 30-year-plus bout with uh, Parkinson's disease. Let's go back to the clip here. He began his professional boxing career. His first big test was against heavyweight champion Sonny Liston. It was also the first time many would hear Clay's effortless ability to compose a rhyme. If you like to lose your money, then be a fool and bet on Sunday. Liston was heavily favored, but in the end, Clay proved prophetic. They might be something, that might be all. At 22 years old, Clay became the youngest heavyweight champion. I shook up the world! I shook up the world! He quickly shook up the world again by announcing he had joined the Nation of Islam and changed his name. Cassius Clay was my slave name. I'm no longer a slave. Ali's declaration became a lightning rod, with many refusing to acknowledge his new name. Why would you say that? But Howard Cosell, a rising sportscaster, fiercely defended Ali's decision, saying they wanted another Joe Lewis, a white man's black man. Instead, they got Ali, a man who would not conform, regardless of the consequences. At the height of the Vietnam War, Ali refused to serve, declaring himself a conscientious objector and famously saying, I ain't got no quarrel with them Viet Cong. This is his choice and, you know, every man has a choice of his own religion and beliefs. Convicted of draft evasion, he was stripped of his heavyweight title and banned from boxing. Mohammed teaches us. For the next three years, he traveled around the country, preaching the principles of Islam and speaking out on race relations. We black people in America are fighting the same common enemy. In 1970, his conviction was overturned, and Ali, now 30 years old, was allowed back into the ring. Who do y'all think the with a couple of wins under his belt, his next opponent, current heavyweight champion Joe Frazier. 
An explosive left to the jaw and Muhammad Ali goes down. Ali suffers his first professional defeat. Determined to reclaim the title, he trains harder than ever and epic fights soon follow. In Zaire, the rumble in the jungle. Ali wins the title back. Then, the thriller in Manila, the third and final fight with Frazier. This is Muhammad Ali at his very best. Ali would eventually become boxing's first three-time heavyweight champion. And in 1981, with 56 wins and only five losses, he retires at the age of 39. His agility and speech pattern now noticeably different. Didn't realize how, how scientific and quick it was. Just three years after retiring, Ali was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And for the rest of his life, that disease would affect his movements and eventually silence his voice. I believe all of you remember Muhammad's pre-Parkinson's days when he moved millions with his vibrant voice and his poetic expression. The greatest. His surprise appearance at the 1996 Olympics would move the world once again. Oh 3.5 billion people watched as the champ delivered another great moment. This was a moment where the whole world was saying, thank you. Ali was married four times, including current wife Lonnie, his partner for more than 25 years. He also had nine children, seven daughters and two sons, all of them he called a gift from God. Ali wrote that he liked to be remembered as a man who tried to be a good father, who stood up for his beliefs. Muhammad Ali, the greatest. Those of you who generationally may be new to the life and times. All right. So he passed away on June 3rd. Uh, it was late at night, June 3rd, 2016. And we got the news uh, early in the morning, June 4th, 2016. Okay. Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time. One of my heroes. Ali Bumaye. Ali Bumaye. It means Ali kill him. That's what they said in Zaire. They were saying uh, for him for for him to beat uh, George Foreman. Okay. All right. So when we come back from the break, we're gonna wrap up. I'm gonna share with you one of my favorite clips of uh, Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time. One of my heroes. He was good friends with Malcolm X at one point also. So Ali retired from boxing for good at 39, and Malcolm X was assassinated at 39 also. Dr. King was assassinated at age 39 as well. All right, uh, let's see. On Facebook, uh, Angela Flood Williams said, I will check. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, if you're talking about the email, yes, I sent you three emails. Check your spam folder. Uh, came from customer service at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, changing the videos on the right side of your individual page to highlight your speeches. Okay. And on uh, for the black speakers, uh, you can go to TheBlackSpeakers.com forward slash Michael M. Hotep. TheBlackSpeakers.com forward slash Michael M. Hotep. 
and um, that's my page on the uh, on the website. Okay, so if you want to bring me in to do a presentation for your group or organization, that's where you go. All right, uh, let's see. Mahogany Faye Porter said, "I'm from Lafayette, Los Angeles. Is that Lafayette? Is that Louisiana? Lafayette, Louisiana." Uh, oops. Okay. Just a second here. What the hell is this? All right. So we've got uh, this here. Okay. We'll be back from break in two minutes. Um, Whitey's Emmanuel Wilson. Hello from Indian Indian Town, Florida. Kevin Hicks from Compton. All right, so we got Long Beach at Compton in the house. All right. Um, Whitey said that's my middle name, Akua. Carla Miles said from the Big D. Is that Detroit or Dallas? Mahogany Faye Porter said, Are you going to get Dr. Umar on your show? Well, I've interviewed Umar before. If he wants to come on again, we'll have him back on. Uh, Kumara Jackson said, When are you coming to Brooklyn, New York? All right, let me post this link here. So, if you want me to speak for your Dr. King Day celebration, if you want me to speak for African American History Month in February, we know we have, I have presentations on Dr. King, presentations on Malcolm X, I have presentations done with African American History Month, um, and, and the origins of it, the history of it, all different types of things like this. Uh, presentations, Great African Women in History, The Mothers of Civilization, Great African Men in History, The Fathers of Civilization. If you want me to uh, do a presentation for a group or organization, go to theblackspeakers.com, theblackspeakers.com forward slash Michael Mhotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Uh, and let me post this. I'm post this on the thread right now of the Facebook Live broadcast if you want Michael Mhotep to do... Please visit. All right, here we go. Just posted the link here on the thread. So we have Dana Green checking in from Philadelphia. Um, Glenda Levy said it's sad that every other race knows how to get rich from black dollars, but blacks don't get the same support when they are in business. Well, what happens is, is the, every other ethnic group, for the most part, has their history and culture intact, Glenda. They use this to fight for scarce wealth, power, and resources. They use it, they use their history and culture to fight for scarce wealth, power, and resources. Culture binds the people together and tells them, it teaches them the only way that, they're, that they are going to survive is through self-reliance. Culture binds a people together and teaches them the only way that they are going to survive is through self-reliance. So culture is not just, uh, so what happens is it's not just the history. Because you have some people who just want to deal with economic empowerment and not really deal with a history of African people. They just want to deal with black economics. You can't do that. You have some people that just want to deal with black economics and just deal with history. And talk about history and talk about Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth and the Civil War and John Merrick uh, creating the um, 
North Carolina uh, Mutual Life Insurance Company, things like this. You can't just deal with history. You also have to deal with culture. Culture deals with uh, the uh, customs of a people. It deals with their celebrations. Culture deals with uh, people's way of life, the way they do things, because um, the, a, a people's history influences their culture. But culture deals with celebrations. It deals with their spiritual systems. It deals with understanding the universe as an orderly system, what we call cosmology. It deals with cosmogony, understanding origins of the universe. A people's culture deals with their language, their music, their art, their dance, etc. And it all comes together into a bag, what we call culture. And culture is a cohesiveness which binds a people together, teaches them the only way that they are going to survive is through self-reliance. Culture influences the psychology of a people, influences the way they think, feel, act, and behave. And the historical events are nothing more than culture influencing, influencing the psychology of people, influencing their behavior, and then you have a time stamp on it. This is what history is, okay? People operating based upon based from a cultural perspective. So Dr. Carter G. Woodson in The Miseducation of the Negro, 1933, he said, in the schools of business administration, Negroes are trained excessively in the psychology and economics of Wall Street and are therefore made to despise the opportunities to run ice wagons, push banana carts, and sell peanuts among their own people. Foreigners who have not studied economics but have studied Negroes take up this business and grow rich. Foreigners who have not studied economics but have studied Negroes take up this business and grow rich. This is Dr. Carter G. Woodson, Miseducation of the Negro, 1933. I created a meme with this quote, and the meme says, Remember, what you do for yourself is based upon what you think about yourself. Okay? And I, I, I got that same from Renoko Rashidi and modified it and made it my own. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you have been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Okay. All right, now, let's go to some more comments here. Uh, so Kamara Jackson said, when you come to Brooklyn, New York, okay, I posted the link to the Speakers Bureau, my page, so you all can go through that to book me. I'll be on the road a lot this year. Ben Ogorji said, okay, I'm frozen here. Damn, okay, refresh the screen, shouldn't be frozen. When are you coming to Canada, Brampton, Ontario, Nisi Senior? Okay, go through blackspeakers.com. I live in Detroit. I can see over to Canada. Uh, so we can, I can come over there. If you want to book me for Canada, let's make it happen. Uh, I would love to book Dr. Claude Anderson. You can book Dr. Claude Anderson through the blackspeakers.com. If you want to book me, Lakeem Muhammad, you can do that as well. Um, I, I deal with a lot of history, current events. I deal with entrepreneurship, economic empowerment. You go to my website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can see I have 30 DVD lectures there, different topics. You can check that out. Uh, and you go listen to the podcast of my, of, of my show. I do lectures also on a lot of the different topics that I deal with as well. Um, 
Shafika Abdullah said, peace, happy new year. Looking forward to learning more and contributing in 2017. One of the things we added, so two main topics we dealt with today, remembering those we lost in 2016. I got caught up in the interview, except for the interview I shared with you with Dr. from uh, the interview I did with Dr. Francis Quest Wilson. So um, I, I didn't get, cover it as much as I want to today, but we're going to we're going to deal with those who we lost all this all this week. OK. In 2016, we talked some about Dr. Francis Chris Wilson. We talked some about Prince and Muhammad Ali. In a few minutes, I'm, a couple of minutes here, I'm going to share with you uh, one of my favorite clips of Muhammad Ali. Also, uh, Michael Long said, um, "Okay, Kamara Jackson said yes, sir." Michael Long said, "Yes, he did, and did a show on is Jesus black?" Okay, I'm not sure who he's talking about. Lakeem Muhammad said, uh, "Yes, he did. Just about everyone." Uh, Angela Flood Williams said yes yes saw them all okay okay she said I'll get the email later okay cool I just want to make sure I want to get confirmation because sometimes emails go to spam folders and people don't know I sent the email so I just want to get a confirmation on that Angela so we can get your order shipped out to you Lakeem Muhammad said Dr. Joy uh, Leary speaks on a lot the meaning of racism on YouTube. Yeah, Dr. Joy DeGruy, Dr. Joy Leary DeGruy. She wrote Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome, fantastic book. I recommend everybody read that book at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have a recommended reading list of books of about 60 books. That is one of the books. I also have a clip of her in the uh, video I put together also, and I talk about her in, in some of my articles. In the article I wrote, White Racism versus Black Racism, most people are confused about what racism is. I talk about her in that article as well. Um, Carol McGurdy, oh, sorry. Carol McGurdy said Roger Ailes. Yes, Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes, uh, that's who I was thinking of. I could see his face, fat bastard. I could see his face. Um, but he was the one who founded the Fox News Network just got pushed out of Fox News over sexual harassment allegations. And he's good friends with Donald Trump. And Roger Ailes was an advisor to uh, Richard Nixon in 1968 on Richard Nixon's presidential campaign. Richard Nixon's platform was law and order. And Richard Nixon won in 1968. Under some similar circumstances to what we're going on now with the protests going on, things like this, civil rights movement, black power movement, etc., Roger Ailes is good friends with Donald Trump and was an advisor to Donald Trump formally or informally for his presidential campaign. So a few months ago, Donald Trump came out and said he wants to be the law and order candidate, the law and order candidate. So what you're dealing with is white, uh, white supremacy and racism. You're dealing with a backlash, number one, to two terms of the first African-American president, President Barack Obama who saved a lot of white people's jobs and then they go for Donald Trump who's going to stab them in the back. It was it was the bailout of the auto industry to save 1.5 million jobs. Then you have uh under the President Obama administration approximately 16 million jobs created under over 70 straight months of private sector job growth. Now I have some legitimate criticism of the Obama administration. There's some legitimate problems, but we we but we have to be honest and tell the truth. And not talk about one thing and leave out other things to push your agenda. One thing that we try to be here, two things we try to do is, number one, be accurate. Number two, be fair. So there are some legitimate criticisms. African-Americans lost over over one trillion dollars worth of wealth, which started, which goes back to the fourth quarter of 2007 with the downturn in the housing industry continues in 2008. 
All of that we cannot blame on President Obama. Okay, part of that is him, but all of that we cannot blame on President Obama. Okay, and also part of the problem was was a lack of African American organizations really pushing a black agenda, pushing issues to President Obama early on in his presidency and holding his feet to the fire. See, because the, the black agenda that Reverend Al Sharpton and, uh, and the National Action Network and about 59 other civil rights organizations, the, the, the one they crafted, they didn't start talking about that to January of 2013. This is in his second term. They didn't present it to him until August of 2013. When you look at the LGBT community, they presented a 54-page agenda to President Obama within his first 60 days of his first term. So if you watch the uh, if you watch the interview that Roland Martin did with Tavis Smiley on January 15th, 2016, this is about Tavis's uh, book, The Covenant, 10 years later. And Tavis talked about how African-Americans had at, at that point. Now, because of the September 5th, because of the September 2016 census report, some of that some of that information is going to change. But back at, in January, he said that, that, that we had lost ground in every major economic category across the board. OK, but he also acknowledged Tavis Smiley also acknowledged that there were we have seen pockets of progress in different areas. We have seen pockets of progress. We're going to see more progress in December of this year than we did in January, December of 2016 than in January. OK, and that's just being honest and being factual. OK, um, so if you don't want to be honest and factual, then. You're watching the wrong show. All right. Now, uh, okay, so we'll pull this up from news1.com. We're coming up on a break. When we come back from the break, we'll go to this clip from uh, Muhammad Ali, and we have to get out of here. Okay. Uh, Mar, uh, let's see. Khadija uh, said hello from Maryland. Uh Kumar Jackson said, yes, it did. I thought it was a lie. Uh, not sure what he's talking about. Louis Brundage III said, peace to the brother, uh, Prince the Great One. Uh, Kumar said, they killed Prince. I'm not sure who they is. Um, let's see. Rose Robinson said, love me some Prince. Sean Lake said they gave cashes to shakes. We have Parkinson's disease. Trevor Mitchell said London in the house. Uh, okay. So the article from uh, the article. Uh, another thing we're going to do, we're going to get Dr. Claude Anderson here on the show also. We're going to try to get him on here in January. Talk about what African Americans should do uh, for the next 12 months, especially under the Donald Trump uh, administration. Uh, the article from News1.com about the interview with Tavis Smiley is called Black America Has Lost Ground in Nearly Every Major Economic Category Over the Last 10 Years. Black America. So all, all, all that blame cannot be put on President Obama. Part of it, but not all of it. And Tavis talks about this in the interview. Black America ha has lost ground in nearly every major economic category over the last 10 years. Okay. Uh, so check out excellent, excellent article, an excellent interview that uh, Roland Martin did as well. Uh, 
uh, Nasir Aslam said in this our fight against building intolerance and endemic injustice one should not feel inhibited or remain indifferent to inventive activism rather we should open up to the seamless realms of different possibilities and courageously embrace all the endless potential of what we can be all right uh kevin hook said what happened to conscious hip-hop conscious hip-hop still exists it's just not commercial you just don't hear it you don't hear it on the radio it's underground uh the the conscious hip-hop you heard on the radio that was subverted by corporate conglomerates that was that was subverted by corporate conglomerates okay uh let's see here all right okay okay we're coming back from the break in just a minute here uh demore jones said uh i love what he is saying i know uh he and his family are blessed um Kamar Jackson said there's but one race. Racism is the oppressor's language. Well, it's not just the oppressor's language. It's the oppressor's concept. Racism was created by Europeans. It's the oppressor's concept. Okay. All right. So we're back from break here. All right. So that article I was, I was referencing, uh, the article about the interview with Tavis Smiley from News1.com is called Black America Has Lost Ground in Nearly Every Major Economic Category Over the Last 10 Years. This is from January 15th, 2015. OK, maybe we'll share this with you all tomorrow, but you can check this out. News1.com. All right, let's go to this interview. This is my favorite interview with uh, one of my favorite interviews with um, Muhammad Ali. This is from 1971. This is um, 1971. I think this was after he won his fight with uh, the U.S. government. Okay, and this was on a TV show called Parkinson. And this is in England. Okay, let's go to this clip. Things are getting much better, but I always wonder when I went to church on Sundays. I've always been one to, I'm not just a boxer. I do a lot of reading, a lot of studying. I ask questions. I go out, travel these countries, and watch how their people live, and I learn. And I always ask my mother, I said, Mother, how come is everything white? I said, why is Jesus white with blonde and blue eyes? Why is the Lord's <laughs> Supper all white men? Angels are white. Pope and, and um, Mary and every, even the angels. I said, Mother... When we die, do we go to heaven? She said, naturally, we go to heaven. I said, well, what happened to all the black angels when they took the pictures? <laughs> she, I, said, I said, oh, I know. If the white folks was in heaven, too, then the black angels were in the kitchen preparing the milk and honey. <laughs> I said, listen, you quit saying that. Well, I was always curious. And I always wonder why I had to die to go to heaven. Why I couldn't have pretty cars and good money and nice homes now. Why do I have to wait till I die to get milk and honey? And I said, Mama, I don't want no 
milk and honey? I like steaks and, and I said, milk and honey is a laxative anyway. Do they, do they have a lot of bathrooms in heaven? So anyway, I was always curious. I always wondered why. You know, Tarzan is the king of the jungle in Africa. He was white. And, uh, white man. I saw this white man swinging around Africa with a diaper on, hollering, oh! Do you all see Tarzan over here? Right. Tarzan? And all the Africans, so he's beating them up and breaking the lion's jaw. And here's Tarzan talking to the animals. And the Africans have been there for centuries, and he yet can't talk to the animals. Only Tarzan can talk to the animals. I always wonder why. Miss America was always white. All the beautiful brown women in America. Beautiful suntans, beautiful shapes, all tight complexions. But she always was white. And Miss World was always white. And Miss Universe was always white. And then they got some stuff called White House Cigars. White swan soap, king white soap, white cloud tissue paper, <clears throat> white rain hair rinse, white tornado flow wax. Everything was white. And the angel food cake was the white cake, and the devil food cake was the chocolate cake. <laughs> I said, Mommy, why is everything white? I always wondered, you know, and, and the president lived in the White House. <laughs> and Mary had a little lamb, his feet is white as snow, and snow white. And everything was white. Santa Claus was white. And everything bad was black. The little ugly duckling was the black duck. And the black cat was the bad luck. And if I threaten you, I'm going to blackmail you. I said, Mama, why don't they call it white male? They lie too. I, w I was always curious. And then, and this is when I knew something was wrong. Won the Olympic gold medal in Rome, Italy. Olympic champion, the Russian standing right here, and the pole right here. Is Poland considered a communist country? Yeah. Yeah, I'm defeating America's so-called threats or enemies. And the flag is going dun 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 I'm standing so proud. Dun 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 And I don't hook the world for America. Dun 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 I took my gold medal, thought I'd invented something. I said, man, I know I'm going to get my people freedom there. I'm the champion of the whole world, the Olympic champion. I know I can eat downtown now. And I went downtown that day, had my big old medal on and went in the restaurants. At that time, black things weren't integrated. The black folks couldn't eat downtown. And I went downtown, I sat down, and I said, you know, a cup of coffee, uh, hot dog. He said, the lady said, we don't serve Negroes. I'm so mad. I said, I don't eat them either. Just give me a cup of hot I said, I'm the Olympic gold medal. One three days ago, I fought for this country in Rome. I won the gold medal, and I'm going to eat. The manager, I heard her tell the manager, and she says, he said, well, I'm not the, I'm not the man. Now, he's got to go out. Anyway, I didn't raise another. They put me out. And I had to leave that restaurant in my hometown where I went to church and served in their Christianity and fought and daddy fought in all the wars. Just won the gold medal and couldn't eat downtown. I said, something's wrong. And from then on, I've been a Muslim. Yes, I was going to ask him about what attracted you to the... To the the truth, the teachings of Elijah Muhammad on how black people's been brainwashed, how they've been taught to love white and hate black, how we've been robbed of our names in slavery, we were robbed of our culture, we were robbed of our true history, so it left us a walking dead man. So you got black people in all white country, and they don't know nothing about themselves, they don't speak the language, they're just mentally dead. And this is happening all over the world. 
But the first place that will rise will be the black people of America, and then the rest of them will. But it's going. I, I was one who heard the truth, and when I heard the truth about my name was not Cassius Clay, like, like uh, I know a black man in America named John Hawkins. Now you know who John Hawkins was. He was a slave trader from England. But the, in the white people at that time, if one had five slaves and his name was Jones, they would be called Jones property. If you was auctioned off to Mr. Smith, your name was Smith. Identifying you as property of certain masters. So now that I'm free, now that I'm no longer slave, then I want a name of my ancestors, mm. Muhammad Ali. Like a Chinese, how would a Chinese look named Robert Smith? <laughs> how, would, how would a German look named Edward Goldberg? <laughs> a Jewish name. So like, uh, when I heard that we don't have our names, we don't speak our true Arabic language, we were robbed of Islam, our true religion, and we've been made deaf, dumb, and blind in slavery, and Elijah Muhammad was taught by Allah, who we refer to as God, to teach us the truth that will free us. And when I heard it, I've been free ever since. I have no racial problems. I don't go where I'm not wanted. I'm, I mean, I'm proud, and, and Islam did it. So, And after these things that I heard in church, a preacher, and watching this and that, I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't pinpoint it. But as soon as I heard the truth that Elijah Muhammad teaches us in America, it made me accept it. All right. So that's my hero, the champ, the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali. Uh, let's Get some more comments in. Uh, Mahogany Faye Porter said that's a pattern at 39 because Ali retired from boxing for good at 39. Dr. King and Malcolm X were assassinated at 39 years old. Charles Kane Jr. said history define cult defines culture. Yeah, history influences culture. Culture in turn influences history because culture influences the way people think. And your thoughts create feelings. Your feelings create actions and behaviors. Your actions, actions and behavior creates results. Dana Green Stancil checking in from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Dato Kamara, when are you coming to Denmark? Uh, okay, if you want me to speak in Denmark, uh, Dada, go to theblackspeakers.com, theblackspeakers.com forward slash Michael M. Hotep. Blackspeakers.com forward slash Michael M. Hotep. That's the website uh, of the Black Speakers Bureau that's handling my bookings. Uh, Ann Marshall, good evening from Philly. Um, Chris Ajay Obi checking in from Australia, okay, in the land down under. Barbara Moy State Statton said this show is so informative. Thank you. Hey, share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in if you like the information that we share with us. You can visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All of my DVD lectures are there. Uh, my two latest lectures I just did in the last two weeks did it uh, did them in December. You have um, uh, my presentation, Ancient Kemet, the Winter Solstice and the History of Christmas. Ancient Kemet, the Winter Solstice and the History of Christmas. And then also in Glock We Trust, in Glock We Trust, uh, the ballot is called in Glock We Trust, the ballot and the bullet, how how African people fought uh, against oppression with armed resistance, armed resistance, voting rights and economic withdrawal strategies, uh, redistributing the pain through economic withdrawal strategies, economic boycotts. OK, so I just did those in December. 
they're available at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, so you can order those. We have those shipping out tomorrow. Uh, Kamar Jackson said Prince. Okay, referring to Prince. Um, Barbara said the show is so informative. Thank you, Muhammad Kane. Uh, he said, uh, "Good evening from uh, Belgium." All right, Belgium's in the house. Uh, Angela Flood Williams said the Black Caucus didn't propose anything to the president. Um, I can't. I can't say that the Black Caucus didn't propose anything to the president. No, the Black Caucus did propose. What happened? One of the things that happened was. Um, President Obama went, um, so no, the Black Caucus did propose some things to the president because in the American Jobs Act, there were things, some things in the American Jobs Act that did not pass, but there were things that were proposed by the Black Caucus, okay? Um, one of them, one of the things proposed by the Black Caucus was to remove the stigma and, um, to impose some type of penalty, I think it was impose some type of penalty on companies that um, discriminated against people who had not been employed for six months. But the, but but what happened was President Obama went two years without even meeting with the Black Caucus. He went two years without meeting with the Black Caucus. Okay, uh, so early on he did not have a good relationship with the Congressional Black Caucus. All right. Okay, so look, we're going to get out of here. Uh, it's acting up on Facebook also. Um, so we're about to get out of here. Um, okay, so hey, remember on the Michael M. Hotep show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over until we win. We'll talk to you tomorrow and be sure to listen to the audio podcast of this entire show at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Mark, <laughs> I, don't be, I don't be knowing what to say to y'all. I don't, you know. Got the pear trees faking like a dogwood. The thunderstorms in the springtime, it's all good. And rappers killing it in the club, and can we brag now? Not black lives just had to die to get a flag down. And my rappers helped the map of Southside Atlanta. Was just to sell my 50 years march in Alabama. Was just to Columbus, Ohio, teaching little kids. South by Southwest and Austin, teaching sampling.